Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Your boy Johnny Clutch, giving the latest sports news and giving hot takes on the sports that I love. Big news out of the NFL today: Joe Flacco, Ravens quarterback, being traded to the Denver Broncos. Uh, not a terrible move by the Broncos. I feel it's a good stopgap for them when I look at their long-term solution at quarterback, but this shouldn't stop them from looking in the draft. Now, obviously, we all remember. Joe Flacco's amazing playoff run in 2013, but honestly, he hasn't been the same player since. And honest, in the last three or four years, in terms of numbers, he's been one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the whole National Football League. However, you can pin some of that on the lack of receiving depth that he had and lack of consistent running games. It wasn't all his fault. But then again, you can see why the Ravens wanted to move on from him. So really a good move for both parties here. Ravens wanted to move forward with Lamar Jackson, and Joe Flacco gets a great chance to start. He most likely will with Denver. And honestly, if a new head coach and former defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, remember Vic Fangio one year in Baltimore, did have Joe Flacco, even though he was just defensive coordinator, he didn't call plays for him or anything like that, but he's very familiar with Joe Flacco, and he probably really trusts him. And Vic Fangio has been a great defensive coordinator for many years. And if he can get that defense back to at least a near elite level and Joe Flacco can be a steady hand at quarterback, they can win games with that. I don't see no reason why they can't. I think Philip Lindsay's a real stud out of the backfield. Uh, they still have Emmanuel Sanders. I think they'll probably be Joe Flacco's number one target. And hey, it's tough in that division. Obviously, you have the Chargers who are really good this last season. The Chiefs almost went to the Super Bowl. So having a steady hand at quarterback doesn't hurt. And Joe Flacco is a guy that's played a lot of games. He's won a lot of games. Like I said before, he's won a Super Bowl. There's a lot worse options than for the Broncos out there than this. And you have to think, John Elway, after a while, will get one of these quarterback decisions right. Ever since Peyton Manning left, they've gone from Trevor Simeon to Brock Osweiler to Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch. There's probably even more in there. But you know, a lot of them have really flamed out. So, again, like I said before, this is a good short-term solution for the Broncos. They can win games now with Joe Flacco. I don't see any reason why they can't, especially if their defense gets back up to speed. But they should still be looking for a young quarterback. This this is no more than a one- or two-year solution. Three years being the absolute max, they got to still look in the draft. Maybe, their core, maybe the right quarterback for them isn't there this year. Maybe that's why they wanted a veteran guy. But Joe Flacco should not be stopping them from evaluating every quarterback in this draft class from top to bottom. Now, another thing I take from this trade is that this trade further confirms that every team basically lost out on the Kirk Cousins domino effect last offseason. You've seen, obviously, Kirk Cousins, he went to the Vikings. Vikings had showed they overpaid for him, and they did a lot worse than they did the season before. They went to the NFC Championship of Case Keenum, and with Kirk Cousins this season, they didn't even make the playoffs. And you ask what happened to Case Keenum? Well, obviously, he went to Denver, and he started one year for them, 6-10, and 10, and he looked like you know he was out of his element as a starting quarterback in the NFL. It probably was a system with Minnesota that got him to look as good as he did. And then you had the Redskins, who were trying to replace Kirk Cousins. They ended up getting Alex Smith, which was actually working pretty good for them. You know, in the this season with Alex Smith, they were 6-3, and three bef- but before Alex Smith had that gruesome leg injury, and now his career is in absolute jeopardy. I mean, with them really scrambling for a quarterback, they could just pay Kirk Cousins, and they would have had at least an answer. Right now, who knows what they're going to do. 
And that's weird to me because a lot of times when you see these trades or teams signing new players that they think is an upgrade over the other guy, and you see absolutely no one won from all of that. So it's a really rare scenario where that happens. Usually there's at least one winner when you have all those teams changing up things, but really just three huge losers here. I mean, it's it's not completely fair to say so far. I mean, I guess Kirk Cousins still has time to show that he's worth the money of the Vikings, but... I don't see that happening. That contract is just absolutely huge. The only way Kirk Cousins proves he's worth that contract is if he wins the Super Bowl with the Vikings. Because when they paid up for him, when they paid for him in free agency, they were saying to themselves, well, Case Keenum got us to the NFC Championship game. We feel Kirk Cousins is a huge upgrade. Kirk Cousins just should put us over the top and get us to the Super Bowl and ultimately win it. And that didn't even come close to happening. But I must say the other two are really confirmed. Obviously, Case Keenum's probably on his way out in Denver. And Alex Smith's career looks like it's in serious jeopardy. I don't see him coming back anytime soon, if he even comes back at all. Now, breaking news come out of the NBA. Isaiah Thomas will make his season debut tonight against the Sacramento Kings. It's been a, about a year ever since his hip surgery. And it will be very interest, interesting to see what he looks like. We'll see if there's any glimpses of the player that he was a couple of years ago in Boston when he averaged about 30 points a game and was a true MVP candidate. Now, it might be a tough fit for him in Denver's current guard rotation. They're already deep at guard. You have uh, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Gary Harris, Monty Morris, Malik Beasley, all that can play the one or the two. But I feel in today's NBA, where it's basically positionless basketball, you can somehow fit Isaiah Thomas somewhere in there, and he can be a really, a really good contributor for them off the bench. If he's even 70 to 80% of what he once was, I'm pretty sure he can have a lot of success against other backup point guards in the NBA. Again, I, I know about the injury and everything like that. He's probably lost a step, but this was once a guy, like I said, that was an MVP candidate. A guy that was a key, really key factor in getting Boston to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I just hope for his sake that he's finally healthy. Uh, I think he is this time. I think he truly took his time. He even said that he rushed last year getting back on the court for Cleveland when he was with them. He said that he wasn't right, and he, and honestly, he probably should have taken the whole year off, but I think his ego was getting in the way, and he wanted to really show Boston that they made a mistake trading him away, and obviously at that time, Cleveland was a big contender, so that was another reason why he wanted to rush himself on the court because he wanted to be a part of that. So Isaiah Thomas will be coming back in a, what I think is going to be a really exciting game tonight between the Sacramento Kings and the Denver Nuggets on one end. We're going to see if the Kings can keep their winning streak up. They've won two in a row, and we're going to see if they're they're for real now. This is a game on the road against a very good team. They've been playing well, so we'll see how they respond to this challenge. And the other end, you got Denver, who's fun to watch, and obviously you have Isaiah Thomas coming back into the lineup. So it will be definitely be a great game I will be keeping a close eye on tonight. Now, speaking of games I've been keeping a close eye on last night, I must say, the Lakers are in trouble. Now, let's flash back to, it was about a little under a week ago when Rondo hit that game-winning shot against Boston. They had that huge comeback. I was reading articles saying the season's saved for the Lakers and that everything is right. They can match up against anyone. They have a chance against anyone. No, let's just stop all that talk. That's, that shot didn't save any season. And it showed last night in their game against the Hawks. They looked atrocious defensively. I, I mean, I, I remember uh, the first quarter of that game, the Hawks had 10 three-pointers. 10. 
this isn't the Golden State Warriors. This isn't the Philadelphia 76ers. This isn't any great team like that. No, this is the Atlanta Hawks making 10 threes in one quarter against the Lakers defense. And as we all know, defense, a lot of it is just effort and wanting to do it. And it's not looking good when you're letting up that many three-point shots. Just a lot of failed rotations on the Lakers end. A lot of open threes they were giving up. And what was even more mind-boggling at, at the end of that game, the Hawks were giving the Lakers every chance to get back into the game and win it. The Hawks were going like five, six straight possessions without scoring, and the Lakers just could not capitalize. It was absolutely incredible. You would think a LeBron James-led team in the fourth quarter would score more than what they had. I think it was like something terrible. It was like 16, 17 points in the fourth quarter. you, you got to be better than that. And the Lakers, a lot of their complimentary pieces really failed in this game. Kuzma was missing a lot of easy shots. Ingram and Rondo, two other key ball handlers for the Lakers, other than LeBron James, had 10 turnovers combined. And it seemed like no one on the Lakers could stop Trey Young from getting in the paint and dishing off to his teammates. Trey Young didn't really have a great game from the field, but his he looked a lot better than what the stats showed. He was only 6-19, but him driving to the hole and you know dumping it down to guys like John Collins or kicking it out to guys like Torian Prince or, or Alex Len, of all people, who actually had three threes in this game. And I must say, I was expecting LeBron to have more of his way, at least scoring the basketball against his weak Hawks defense. Yeah, he had a triple-double, 28 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, but 8-20 from the field. That's definitely a lot less than what you expect from LeBron James. And a big reason for him shooting his abnormally low percentage of a 40% was the fact that he was 3 of 10 from the three-point line. I don't get why he's shooting that many threes. He shot half his field goal attempt from three against a Hawks defense that has true no true presence in the paint. The Hawks have been a real Swiss cheese defense all year, and I don't know why LeBron didn't take more advantage of that going to the rack. Maybe that injury is still you know, ailing him. Maybe he's not 100% yet, but I don't know. Just an all-around bad performance from the Lakers from the game they could have and should have had. And a game they really needed. Now they're two and a half games out of the last playoff spot. And if Sacramento or the Clippers wins tonight, they'll be a full three games out of the last playoff spot heading into the All-Star break. I'd like to thank everyone that listened to this podcast. Hit those subscribe buttons on iTunes and Google Play. Hit those like buttons on any social media platform you see this on. Until next time, it's your boy Johnny Clutch. Peace out.